Good morning, Rosemount Bible Church. It is great to see you all here at church this morning. Here we are in the middle of summer, working our way through the book of Ephesians together. We've enjoyed in the last couple of weeks hearing from Nathaniel and then from Les, and we continue on in the series today. Today we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 to 20. And we've titled the message today, Walking as Children of Light. So the approach I would like to take today is a recognition that you and I are adopted into the family of God. You see, possibly in your audience today is a young lady named Stephanie. And not all that long ago, just a few years back, Stephanie enjoyed being adopted into the Heron family. And so her name today is Stephanie Heron. If you asked her about that journey, she could even tell you about the first family reunion she went to as a member of the Heron family. By the way, she and Edward are planning to be married in just a few weeks, so you can pray for God's blessing on them as a young couple. But you see, you and I, as those that love and follow Jesus, have been brought into, born into, and adopted into this amazing family of God. And I want you to think, just as her name became Stephanie Heron, because she was adopted into the Heron family, and Alan Dorothy became her parents, so today, you and I recognize our adoption into the family of God. And I would like to suggest that you took on a new name, a new last name, when you became part of this family. That name is Light Love. You spell it L-I-G-H-T-L-O-V-E. And we're going to talk about the characteristics of this family this morning. We're going to start, actually, I'm going to cheat and go back to the last verse of Ephesians 4. Les just touched on it last week, but we'll actually start there. And here's what it says. Ephesians 4 and 32. Be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. And then chapter 5 and verse 1. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Be kind. My father-in-law, who is now with the Lord, he, was, he and my mother-in-law were married for over 70 years. And one time towards the end of his life, we asked him, what was the key to, to such a happy, long marriage together? And it was fascinating. He didn't really, at least it didn't sound like he was intending to quote scripture, but he said two words, 
be kind. And for each of us that are in marital relationships today, that's a good word. Be kind. For those of us that are raising children today, be kind. In all of our relationships with each other, be kind. But let's get back to that family reunion. You see, when we show up at a reunion of this family, those that know and follow Jesus, as we do here at RBC, this is a characteristic that we find in the family. This family is actually kind to each other. They are tender-hearted. They actually forgive each other. Why? Why do they do that? Well, the verse tells us, because, or just as God, through Christ, has forgiven us. You see, this is a family that has experienced forgiveness. They've experienced the power of forgiveness. They've experienced what it means to be those that had sinned and done wrong before God and were deserving of God's judgment. And then how through the blood of Jesus, those sins have been washed away and that we have been brought into the very family of God. We are forgiven people. So as we mingle with each other, as we live life together, as we walk in love, as Ephesians says, we practice that forgiveness that we, are, that we have experienced ourselves. So this teaches us, because of that forgiveness, to be kind, tender-hearted, and forgiving. Jesus actually told us to keep no record of wrongs. He told us to forgive until 70 times 7. That's a lot of forgiving. May that be something that characterizes the family reunions that we have together. Then he goes on to say, imitate God in everything you do because you are his dear children. Now, years ago, Katie and I were up near Peterborough, Ontario, and we were visiting with a delightful young family, Adam and Melissa Sepsky. And at the time, they had a boy that was, I'm guessing, kind of three or four, maybe as old as five, and his name is Reese. Reese is the youngest of three brothers. They're a lot older now. But at the time, Reese and that whole family and Katie and I walked to an ice cream shop to get some ice cream. And on the way back, we noticed a fascinating thing. Reese, he and I had become good buddies on this walk. He was watching me eating my ice cream, a skill that I'm, I, I've well honed over the years, and he was imitating me. He was trying to eat his ice cream just like I was eating my ice cream. Someone actually snapped a picture of it. Oftentimes in families, as the children are growing up, you see them trying to imitate their parents. Unfortunately, some of the stuff they imitate is not so good. But hopefully, a lot of what we show them as parents is something that is good for them to imitate. God tells us here to imitate Him. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do because you are His dear children. And live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. So God 
shows us love for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And God shows his love to us every day and then tells us to imitate that as we love others. And we are also challenged to follow the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. You know, there are two primary things that we see in the sufferings of Christ on the cross. One is his atoning sacrifice, that he actually took our place and took the judgment for our sins. And it was the basis, it is the foundation for our salvation. But also, in his death, he left us an example. And so Jesus says in John 12, unless a kernel of grain falls into the ground and dies, it remains a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. So we find in Christ's example for us, a riddle to life that if we live for ourselves, it will be a lonely, isolated life with little results. It remains a single seed. But as we sacrificially give our life in the service of others, in love towards the family of God and towards those that are not yet in the family of God, it is in that that we discover the meaning of life. So we are to follow the example of Christ. So let's be kind, let's imitate God, and let's follow Christ's example. Now Paul turns and talks about the dark side of life. He says in verse 3, let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place amongst God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do. Wow. You see, the family of God, this family that you and I have come into, is a family where some things are just not acceptable. I wonder if you've ever been at a party or at an event and you feel the tone or you feel the atmosphere there and you sense that something you are going to say just isn't right to say or doesn't fit. It's not something that probably people would appreciate in that setting. Once we're adopted into the family, once we've taken on the light of love last name, and we now show up at family reunions, we find an interesting thing as we observe. We find that they don't tell dirty jokes here. They don't talk in obscene ways. They don't use God's name as a swear word. These things just aren't part of the characteristics of this family that we've become a part of. In fact, there is also no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed. Wow. This is a special family. The Bible calls it sanctification or sanctified. This is a family that has been set apart. And we'll talk a little more about that in a few minutes. But here we are 
told told of these things to not have a hint of or to avoid. And he replaces it, Paul replaces it with thankfulness to God and says that these things just do not characterize immorality, impurity, and greed do not characterize those that are part of the kingdom of Christ and of God. And then it says, don't be fooled by those who tries, try to excuse these sins. Let me just chat about here. He references idolatry. And I just want to explain a little bit about what idolatry is. You see, when you make an idol, you carve out or fashion a god that suits you. A god that you would actually like to worship. And once you've finished carving or fashioning that God, then it's suitable to worship. And in fact, you bow down and worship it. Scripture mocks those of us who do that. There's one passage that I love in the Old Testament where it talks about how foolish we are as people, that we take a log and we cut it in half. We take half the log and we fashion it into an idol that we then bow down and worship as if it's alive, as if it, if as if it can really hear us. And then we take the other half of the log and we burn it in a fire to keep us warm. Do we not realize that, that this fashioning of a God after our making and then worshiping that God is simply an imaginary friend. It, 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 there's nothing to it. But what happens to us sometimes is, as men and women, is we want to go along with the passions and the desires of the world. We want to be accepted. So what we do is we take what the Bible says and we then carve and mold. We set aside some of the scriptures. We tweak and adjust some of the scriptures. We focus on some that suit us and we carve and fashion a God that we can then worship. But it is not the true God. The true God demands holiness. It is part of what he insists on in his family. And so he says, don't be fooled. And he says, once you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as the people of light. Roald Dahl, who wrote uh, The Chocolate Factory, I think it was, he also wrote an amazing little short story called The Upside Down Mice. I think I referred to it once years ago here at RBC, but I'd certainly encourage you to read that little short story about upside down mice and be challenged as you read it. Have you and I lost perspective? Have we ended up listening to the world and tweaking our moral judgment based on what the world now tells us? Our standard, our plumb line is the word of God. Let's keep to that. He goes on to say, for this light within you produces only what is good and right and true in verse eight. And then he says, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. There's a few verses in here. Um, just go down to verse 15 for a minute. And it says, so be careful how you live. And verse 17, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Now, if we go back to Stephanie and her joining the Heron family, I imagine 
that it took her a while. I haven't actually discussed this with Stephanie. Maybe I will after this. But I imagine it took her a while. I've certainly seen it with the kids that have come into and been a part, become a part of our family, that they have to observe and watch and understand what is it that's acceptable in this family. And over time, they learn to adapt and change to suit the family. That's part of this thing called sanctification that we'll get to in a minute. But what Paul tells us to do here in this family, this light love family that we have been adopted into, he tells us to observe, to watch. What does the father want? What does the father, how does he set the tone in this family? Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. He also tells us and he reminds us here that this family is characterized by light and by love. So you notice in this family that there are not dark secrets. There are not things that are swept under the rug. There are not things that just nobody talks about. This is a family that has understood the power of light. In 1 John 1 and 7, it says, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. It is when there are not secrets, when things are open and honest, that the family can have good fellowship together. And so there is much packed into this in terms of the characteristics of this family that you have been adopted into about light. In verse 8, now you have light from the Lord, so live as people of the light. Verse 9, for this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. I love that, this light within you. If you still try to walk in some darkness after you have become a follower of Jesus, you find this stress because God has planted his light in you. The Holy Spirit now lives inside of you and he is constantly bringing things into the light. And if you're trying to stay in the darkness, you find it hard. You find it a big struggle. But if you will walk in the light, the light makes everything visible. As this quote says, Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So, walk in the light. Walk in truth. Walk in openness. If you need to get things cleared up in your life, clear them up. Confess them. Clear them up with people. Ask for forgiveness. Be one of those people that walks in the light and be especially open and clear in your relationship with God. Well, let's keep going. Then in verse 15, we talked already about being careful how you live. That's one of those things where you observe, you watch, you understand, you learn how you are to live as part of this new family. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Take the opportunities that are given to you to listen and to learn. Be with the family when you can. 
Come out to church. Don't stay home sitting on your couch. Come on out. Join the family. Mingle with them. It's how we grow, adapt, and learn in this family. Take every opportunity that you can to learn and grow together with your family. Have them over to your house. Mingle with your brothers and sisters in Christ. It's a good way to learn. And then he says this last thing about the don'ts, about the dark part. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Hmm. So we've talked a lot about things we shouldn't do and things we should do. And Les covered some of those last week. But how can we do this? We feel that pull inside of us back to doing those things we used to do. We feel that pull towards the darkness. We naturally go that way. So where do we get the power? How are we enabled to live in the way that satisfies, that is part of the family, that, that, that uh, lives out the characteristics of this new family? Well, here it is. As opposed to, or in contrast to, the power of wine that can ruin your life, instead we are to be filled with and under the control of the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, when we were saved, when we accepted Christ as our Savior, God gave us a deposit guaranteeing everything that we would inherit as being part of this family. And that deposit, that down payment, is the Holy Spirit. And He lives in you and in me if we belong to Christ. That is the power. That's where we get the power. So, it's an interesting thing that you see taught through Scripture that the Holy Spirit is molding us and shaping us into a, a, a way that to make us look like Christ, to make us be like Christ. He is shaping us into the very image of the Son of God. When we are saved, we receive the forgiveness of our sins. Our sins are gone. They are washed away in the precious blood of Christ. And we are set apart for God. The big word in the Bible for that is called sanctification or being sanctified. And to sanctify is to be set apart. You and I, when we, when we accept Christ as our Savior, we are taken and brought into the family of God. We are sanctified. We are now there as part of the family. Just like Stephanie was the day she was brought into the Heron family. However, we don't act much like the family when we first arrive there. God begins a work in us at that point. Katie and I have experienced this many times, and uh, I won't discuss Stephanie and her journey there. I'll talk about our family. So in our family, we've had children come into our family and when they arrived, they had language and they had behavior and they had all sorts of things that were not suitable for our family. 
So we said to them, you have to sit outside on a bench outside the front door until you can talk right, act right, live right, and do everything right to be a part of this family. You don't believe that for a second. You know that's not what we did. When they arrived, we welcomed them into the family. But over time, we prayed with them, we taught them, we showed them how this family operates. And they slowly became more in keeping with the family. They fit in more as they went along. So, when we are saved, when we accept Christ as our Savior, we are sanctified, set apart for God. That's our position. And if we died the day after we were saved, we would go to be with Jesus. All our sins are gone. Hebrews 10 and 10 tells us that as followers of Christ, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. I am just as if I had never sinned. I would pause here to say, if there's anybody listening to this message today and you have not been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ, you can be sanctified today. Jesus offers you a full salvation, forgiveness of your sins, to be rid of all those sins, that whole record that stands against you, of everything that you have ever done wrong, that can be washed away today in the precious blood of Christ if you receive him by faith in your heart as your Savior. Jesus said that he would receive all who came to him. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, the Apostle Paul said, and you will be saved. You can believe today. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Jesus was delivered to the cross for our offenses, for our sins, but he was raised again from the dead for our justification. You can have that today. You can know that your sins are gone and that you're on your way to heaven. If you would like to talk more about that, please chat with one of the elders or one of those that you look up to as someone that knows and loves Jesus in this church, after church, and they would be more than happy to chat with you. It is the most important decision that you can make to know and follow Jesus. But now as to those of us that are in the family, God is working in us, and we call that progressive sanctification, because he is working in us. Paul said in Romans chapter 6, just like before we were slaves to impurity and lawlessness, and we were led deeper into sin, now as believers, we must become slaves to righteousness so that we will become holy. This is a conflict. It is the work of the Holy Spirit in us doing this. But we need to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. It's no wonder that after Paul covered all of this about our being sanctified, these behavior things that need to change in us, in Ephesians 4 and 5 that we're going through, in Ephesians 6, he tells us about the armor of God. Because, brothers and sisters, it is a battle. 
And there will be days when you feel like you're making progress in this battle against sin, and then you'll feel other days when you're not. You and I need the armor of God, and we'll hear about that in a few weeks. Well, what other part of sanctification is there? There's our position in Christ when we're saved. There's the progressive that God is doing in us. But let me assure you that there is what I call the posthumous one, just to keep it all peace. After we die or after Jesus comes to take us to heaven, and this is spoken of beautifully in Ephesians, uh, just Ephesians 5, just a little bit later on, in, uh, where uh, Paul is referring to husbands and their love for their wives. And he says in verse 25, For husbands, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself a glorious church without a spot or a wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. Brothers and sisters, we're in this family now, and this family has some amazing characteristics of light and love. That's why it's the light love family. But there's still some stuff you notice when you hang out at family reunions, and you say, whoa, and I need to forgive those, and I need to, to be gentle, and I need to be kind, I need to be loving to my brothers and sisters in this family, because they're not perfect yet. And guess what? My brothers and sisters need more grace with me than I need with them. That's a breakthrough moment for you and I as believers. When we realize that all that forgiveness and love and gentleness and patience and grace that I need to show towards my brothers and sisters, that's nothing compared to all of that that they need to show towards me just to get along with me day by day. But the day is coming when we will be presented as a glorious church, as a glorious bride to Christ. And at that time, we will be without spot or wrinkle or any blemish. We will be without fault. Brothers and sisters, that's our final sanctification. That is when we are just like Jesus. Isn't that great? You and I have that to look forward to. All right, guess what? At the end of this family reunion, as the family's starting to get ready to leave, an amazing thing happens. This family actually all gathers around the piano and they sing hymns. They sing songs together. They share hymn books. But it's weird in this family, they actually seem to know the words of those hymns already. Brothers and sisters, you and I are in the light love family. And part of what we do together is we worship God together. We sing together. We sing songs. We sing hymns. Some of those hymns and songs really just bring us into the presence of God like nothing else can do. You notice here at RBC, when Natalie is leading us in worship, when Andrew and Ishi are leading us in worship, when we get different chances with different teams and different leaders to just have our hearts stirred and drawn to the Savior. There's something in that that a sermon doesn't do, that other things don't do. It is 
worshiping together that draws our hearts towards the Savior. Let's be doing that together and let's value that time. This family of God, this light love family, sings psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among themselves and makes music in their heart to the Lord. And across everything, we say, thank you, Lord Jesus.